Some of you here this morning need Jesus himself to bring you peace, to calm the fear, to settle the storm. And the word of God says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And so you might have come with a friend or family, but Jesus is here for you. We all know the events of the Middle East have sort of captured our thoughts in the last eight days. My family, having been to Israel just recently this past spring, it all seems so real. And whether it's the fear that's being propagated upon a world by people that are in turmoil, or the fear that the adversary has put in your heart this week because of something that is or isn't happening, I want us to go to Jesus in prayer. And so I'm going to open the altar for you to come and pray and maybe lay down a burden because Jesus is here. To lay down a fear because Jesus is here. To lay down a tremendous need in your life that only, only a miracle is going to answer. To lay it down at the foot of the cross where Jesus is. So I give you that opportunity if you feel so loud or you can just be seated where you're at. But we're going to spend some time praying because Jesus is in our midst to calm the fear in your life. So come as you feel led or be seated. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on this sacred Sabbath day, in one sense no different from any other, but you have called us to set aside the Sabbath and keep it holy. And since you rose from the dead, Jesus, that Sabbath day was moved to the first day of the week because of the power of the resurrection. So Jesus, we come to your cross today, but we acknowledge that your cross is an empty cross. And not only is the cross empty, but the grave is empty because you conquered Satan, sin, and death. And in your presence, the adversary and all his workers tremble in fear. The ones who put fear in us, sometimes they're the ones who are truly in fear because you've been raised from the dead. And so Jesus, because of the power of your resurrection, we come and we bring our particular prayer request to you. Maybe it's a marriage that needs to be healed. Maybe it's a son or daughter that needs to return to you. Maybe it's escapist kinds of sins in our own life that continue to track us down and destroy us. Maybe it's a physical need, a financial need, a need for just hope in this life. Maybe it's a career situation that seems to be going nowhere or just a lack of peace and contentment with all that's going on. We come and we lay our burden down at the foot of the cross. And Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, was raised from the grave. We ask you, Jesus, who is in our midst, that you would minister your power and your strength. You would give us wisdom. You would give us encouragement. You would help us to take the battle to the enemy by taking the sword of your word, placing the helmet of salvation, upon us in the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, gird us up with armor to take on the enemy's attack. So we pause in our worship here this morning, not just to sing songs to you, but Lord, to beseech you that you would bring change in the midst of that situation that is heavy on our heart today. And Lord, across this room, as well as across churches, I know not only in our nation, but around the world, we pray for the peace 
of Jerusalem. Lord, the homeland, your people to whom you came and brought the good news so that they could bless all nations. Lord, it's in turmoil because this world still has an enemy that seeks to stir up unrest in all kinds of individuals, no matter what the nationality is. And Lord, it's just not in the Mideast. There seems to be a divisiveness even in our culture, in our cities, around the world. And acknowledgement of pain and the problems of people and the need to be one. But Lord, there is a brokenness in our world today like we've not seen in many millenniums even. And we pray, God, for peace. We pray for discernment and wisdom in God that those people who are bunkered in fear maybe to this very day and hour, that you would bring good news somehow to them. Lord, we pray that in the circumstances of the world, whether geopolitical or whatever they may be, the circumstances of our own personal life, our friends, our neighbors, that in the circumstances of the life, somehow you would rise up and your voice would be heard and your hope through the power of the cross may be known because you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We acknowledge that the adversary is on a leash, but he's still at work in the world but you've defeated him. And so we garb ourselves in your righteousness and your victory, and we stand strong today. So Lord, may your power and your strength and your beauty and your love and your grace and your mercy and your hope well and pour over each of us for our own particular burdens that we lay at the foot of the cross, but also for the burdens of our world. We love you, Lord, and we are so glad that we can come together and celebrate as a, a church family. Even if it's our first Sunday here, Lord, we can celebrate as a church family. We live on this side of the power of the cross and the power of your resurrection. So, Lord, take these times and minister to us. And as we turn to your word, may you open it up so that we can hear your voice to our inner being. And God's people said... Amen. Amen. You may return to your seats. Pastor Trey mentioned at the onset that we are at a time of pivoting here today in a timeline that uh, we have been working our way through in a series called Deep Dive, the Story of God. And uh, of all the weeks that we have uh, had the opportunity to be able to um, look at the story that's going on, we, I should say at least me, we're glad to be here today because we get a point, the storyline of God's story to Jesus. Amen? I uh, am so grateful that you've been on this journey in these weeks, being able to put the big picture together. A lot of times we don't put the big picture together but with the storyline of what God's doing in our world, it's very important that we understand a good beginning. And the beginning was with creation. Creation, but creation quickly had this beautiful onset of God developing paradise and the plan for uh, not only the environment and the creation and the beauty of the physical order, but he placed Adam and Eve in a garden and he walked with them, and he talked with them. His intent was for him to be in close communion with human beings that he created. But sin entered the world, as we know, through the fall, and mankind chose his own way rather than the way of God. And so we move from the creation to the moment of the fall, and then in the book of Genesis, which means the beginnings, we looked at the aspect of uh, this after the fall world and what it meant. It quickly deteriorated pretty quick with Noah and the need for the flood and God to sort of have a restart. They didn't scatter and bless the world as God had planned. And then there was the Tower of Babel and God dispersing the people. And then there was uh, the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And before we know it, the uh, promised people who were to bless all people found themselves in bondage in Egypt. 
and they were in Egypt under the slave commands of Pharaoh, and God raised up Moses. And Moses, he let God work in and through his life the promise of God to his people, and he provided leadership for God to lead his people out of bondage in Egypt. And then God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai to his people. But his people continued to rebel and they pushed back against with the golden calf, the jewelry and the gold that they had taken from Egypt, they made into an idol. And Moses, with the Ten Commandments, was quite upset and deeply grieved, as was God. And we look pretty serious at that Mount Sinai effort But then God put them into the wilderness for 40 years before Joshua then was raised up to take them across the Jordan River into the promised land. And and we find the Israelites in the promised land establishing themselves where God wanted them to be. He gave them a land and he gave them a kingdom. But they continued to sin. They continued to have a sin nature that would pull them away from God. And so they would fall into uh, sin. And the sin would lead them into bondage. Then God would raise up a deliverer, one of the judges, as it was recorded. And then they would be set free. But the cycle went over and over again. And then last week, and I was blessed to have Pastor Trey help lead us through really a millennium of history uh, so quickly in this timeline, they wanted a king, the Israelites did. And so God gave them a king, King Saul. And then there was King David. Then there was King Solomon. But then there was a split in the kingdom. And then there were other kingdoms in the northern part, in the southern part of Israel and Judah. And then the prophets were raised up. And the prophets spoke exhortative words concerning the people needing to return to God and place Jesus, as we sang, as the King of Kings. And so the prophets spoke. The time passed. Any of you uh, think your time on earth is passing fast? I read an article the other day about this whole weird thing about the older you get, time seems to go faster. And it's true. I remember when I was a youth and I was scared as a little kid and I went to youth camp. Those five days at youth camp seemed like an eternity because I didn't have any friends. I started to get some friends, but I visually mean, I remember this. I just want my mom and dad to come back and get me. Five days was forever. Today, five days is about five minutes, it seems like, right? And five years is even shorter than that. Scripture says that with God, a thousand years is one day, and one day is a thousand years. And I don't know, it's that we're getting closer to eternity and closer to God, and it seems like that, but time's brief. And so you have this huge timeline that goes way back to the creation and the fall, and you don't fully know all the years and the counts that are there, but you go from 2000 BC to 1400 BC to 1000 BC, right? And then 600 BC, the exile when the Israelites were sent away into other lands. And we can sort of see that depicted a little bit this week with the Palestinians and, and the, the um, refugee situation as they're moving out of the northern part of Gaza. You know, it was sort of that kind of thing where the Israelites were expelled and then they went to the Babylonian captivity. But then there was the return. There's so much history packed in that, and I wish we could take more time. And many of you are laboring through that in the the Wednesday night study and doing the study on your own as we walk through the story of God. But the time moves quickly, whoo, just like that, in one sense. But after the Israelites returned and the Old Testament writings, if you will, come to a close, there was a period of 400 years of silence. How old's the United States? Do your calibration there. It's not 400 years old yet, which is one sense amazing. But 400 years there was silence and there were no scriptures written to help fill in that story. But then God in his sovereignty brought about the pinnacle time of all history 
with the entrance of Jesus Christ into the world and his cross and the resurrection. I was looking at this big uh, history of the world time dial that we have situated out there that good friend JP <laughs> gave me. And, and I was looking at it this morning in this whole huge time dial out there. It's like, well, where's Jesus at in all this time of history, right? And they recorded it on this one um, uh, uh, semicircle of, uh, of time. And there's our little cross at the bottom of it. And I thought, wow, look at all the history on this timeline. And there's the cross, the point in time that we will remember for all of eternity when God changed the world through his entrance into this world and setting us free. You're on this timeline. Time's coming, time's going. We don't know how many years we're given, right? God created time. He lives outside of time. But God, you know, is God, right? He always has been, always will be. The future is, the past never passes. The future is always present. It's hard for us to comprehend God outside of time, but he created time. But in this time frame, he is working a redemption and creating a beautiful people. And so as we've walked through this timeline, we have sort of a summary uh, paragraph, if you will. And here's our summary paragraph for today for Jesus, marking B.C. to A.D., right? Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, of Adam, Abraham, and David. Jesus is the one who crushes the head of the serpent. He will bless all nations, and he reigns forever. Jesus, the God-man, enters humanity through the womb of a virgin, perfectly obeys the law that we could never obey, and then dies as the once-for-all sacrifice for our sins and rises from the dead, conquering Satan, sin, and death, he inaugurates his eternal kingdom and secures salvation for his people. Amen? Amen? That's where we're at today on the timeline. But so what about history? History's history. Faiths are faiths. Religion is religion. Something needs to happen in your life this morning and it's never happened before. That this story, that this Jesus would be the center of your storyline and rock your world between before Jesus and after Jesus. Do you have a before Jesus and an after Jesus part of your story? If you don't, good news, you can have that. And maybe you're here today or watching online as a spiritual seeker trying to understand, I need something. Yes, I, there's fear, there's concerns as we prayed about in your life. Well, you need to know this. Jesus wants to be at the center of your life and bring transformation from B.C., before Christ, to an A.D., and after Christ comes into your life. And I want to pray for that this morning as you listen to the Word of God and we dig in to this story of Jesus just in part. A lot of messages been spoken on Jesus. We're talking about time moving fast. Oh my goodness, it's mid-October, right? It's going to be Thanksgiving and then we're going to have Advent season before we know it. But the Jesus that entered the world that we celebrate at Christmas is the Jesus that needs to be entering every day of our life and the time that's moving quickly and as we um, grow in our understanding of this climactic event of Christ's entrance into the world and his death and his resurrection and all that he established, it, it needs not to be commonplace. And so we preach on it, we study about it, we think about it, but I want it to be fresh this morning as we look at this context for Jesus' entrance into the world. And one of the things that's important in this series that we're on is for us to understand the big picture, that we don't lose sight of the big picture. 
because we're caught up in the minutia of different things. But it said this in Genesis 3.14, as recall. So the Lord God said to the serpent, what was happening here? This was when the fall came and Satan had tempted Adam and Eve. And sin entered the world. The brokenness that's being experienced today entered the world. So the Lord God, he came and he ministered in that situation. And God said to the serpent, Satan, because you have done this to my human beings who I created to be in communion with me. You tempted them. You caused them to fall. Yes, they have their own willful nature, fell and chose to follow not God, but to follow their own interest and eat of the tree and the center of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. And God did something about it. He came and he spoke to Satan and he said, cursed are you. I will put anemone between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He, he, who's he? Will crush your head and you will strike his. Who's his? Heal. So in the very beginning of time with the fall, God began speaking about Jesus. Because Jesus, Son of God, eternally existent with God, has always been. And God knew the plan that he had. Just like you're watching the news today. Well, what's the plan? What's, what's going to be happening with, with the, the military actions or trying to make the wrong right and all that's a part of that? We strategize. We think, well, God's... God wasn't caught by surprise with the fall. And he knew from that beginning that he was going to do something that would crush the head of the serpent. Even though the serpent would nip at the heels of the Savior, which he did. And so we find Jesus all the way back in the beginning. God speaking about him. If someone asked you when you began, what would you say? You'd probably say, well, I guess I began on my birthday, right? But is that when you began? No. When did you begin? You began at conception, right? Egg, sperm come together, God create life, right? Is that when you began? I don't even know if that's truly when you began because God had you in mind from the beginning of time. When did Jesus begin? Jesus never began. Jesus has always been. And so when we come to this part of the storyline, it's just God himself, the Trinity, as it's unpacked and unfolded through Scripture, God sends his Son we go back to the beginning of time. And there it is. Now, we, we walk forward in the timeline and we talked about God picking a people to bless all nations, right? It was God's plan that this redemption should come through a people. And so it says in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, a critical passage that I've highlighted over and again almost every week. You need to know this one because it's pretty important if you want to understand the Old Testament and the story of God. God came to Abraham in his old age, and he said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Boy, some powerful words, and you think about those in context of what's happened in the last eight days, right? Jesus picked the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, God picked the Jewish Hebrew people to bless all nations. And so our heart should be for all nations, including those in Palestine, including those in every part of the world, in Ukraine and Russia and China. Pick a country in South America, pick another country in Europe. All peoples everywhere, God wants to bless. And he blessed them through initially calling Abraham. But as it says, 
all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I'm sorry, Abraham died shortly after that, right? How is it that all nations will be blessed? It's through the lineage of Abraham. Jesus himself showing up once again. I don't know about you, but the um, storyline, I'm a, I'm a big picture kind of guy. Maybe you're a minutiae kind of person. I'm a big picture kind of guy. So uh, I remember like when Levi was born with some of the beauty that God's put in his life, I needed to know the big story of what it means for us to be a part of a special needs community. And I enjoyed it some yesterday because we were at Special Olympics uh, in Paris, baseball game, big deal, and it's, it's been a joy of our life being a part of that community. And some of you are a part of that community uh, with the special needs world. But when he was born, I was like, what's the context? Give me the picture. I need to know because I had never thought about it, especially as a, uh, a child would become an adult. And it's a different journey. There's challenges with the journey, but it's a beautiful journey, just like each of us with each of our children, highs and lows, right? I need to know the big picture, and so I need to know the timeline, man, because I'm on the timeline, but I need to know what God is doing on the timeline, and we're now at this place leading up to Jesus where there's these 400 years of silence. What's God going to do? Has he abandoned his people? Has he abandoned the promises of Abraham? Is he just an absentee landlord? He started up this world, it went corrupt, and he just says, you have at it, I'm done. I don't know if I was God, I'd sort of have those kinds of days, to be honest. Just have it your way. But no, God was working. And after the 400 years of silence, the silence was broken by an angel appearing to a young virgin woman who was betrothed or engaged to a man. And these words came and penetrated into that storyline. From the angel to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Yeshua. Why Jesus? Because it means salvation. Save people. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Right there, what a great prophetic word, right? Here, you can't take that back, man. That's in scripture. That's the angel. It appeared and it said to Mary, this is what's going on. You want to know the big picture? You want to give up? God's not giving up. There's something beautiful happening. And as we move our way through the fall towards the advent, May it never become commonplace. This word of exhortation given to Mary is a word that's given to you and I today that God has sent his son Jesus to be at the center point of your story in your life. The one who will forgive the world for their sins, but the one who will be established on a throne as we sang about King Jesus forever the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. You think of the 12 tribes, you think of the history that we're experiencing now in all the world, and I'm thinking like, yeah, where's God? God's right there. Jesus, Jesus is present to work powerfully and active in the lives of each and every person in every nation was interesting then when Jesus started his ministry. Do you know what Jesus said? The first words really ever recorded of the first gospel that was ever written, which we believe is the gospel of Mark. It says this in Mark 1.14. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. 
He says what? The time has come, man. The time, in the fullness of time, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God foremostly means the rule and reign of the king. Jesus didn't come this first time to establish a physical kingdom. He entered into the world in Bethlehem, south of Jerusalem, lands that right now have turmoil in them. He physically entered into this world not to establish his political, military reign. He will one day rule over all, and it won't take him much to destroy the works of Satan when that day comes. But he came to be king of your life and my life. He wants to rule in your life and my life. I don't know. I don't, I don't like anybody telling me what to do. You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Something God's saying to you. Let King Jesus reign and rule. King Jesus is not out to kill your joy, ruin your life. He's out to give you life and to give you life to the fullness, he said. And this verse is descriptive of what Jesus preached day in and day out for the three years in particular from the age of about 30 to 33 when he was doing his active public ministry and he was proclaiming to them as surely as these first words, Jesus was saying, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, it is near. Repent and believe. You make the pivot. You put Christ at the center of your life. You turn from the BC, the old Christ, to the new Christ, to the new era of your life when Christ is reigning as king. And let him reorder things. And if you're in a place of brokenness today, if you're in a place of confusion, even if you are a believer of Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to turn back to letting Jesus sit on the throne of your life and letting him reorder things. Don't push back. Don't be harsh against him. Don't be apathetic or indifferent. Let Jesus, not only in your own life, but your situations that we prayed about this morning. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's plan to bring salvation to the world interesting. Can you picture following Jesus maybe being one of the 12? Here's an example in Luke 18, 31. Jesus, he took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem. This is towards the latter time of his life, headed towards the cross. And everything that is written by the prophets and about the Son of God will be fulfilled. What do you think he did? I don't know if he had one, or maybe he scribbled it out, but he pulled out a timeline, and he started to give them an education again. And he said to them concerning himself, he will be mocked, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, they will mock him, insult him, and spit on him, they will flog him and kill him, on the third day he will rise again. You see, it just wasn't that King Jesus appeared on the scene, his kingdom's at hand. There was a work that needed to be done by him in obedience to the Father in order for change to happen in our world and in your life and in your friends' and family's life. And he began pointing on the timeline to why he came and what his destiny would be. It was interesting, we referenced this verse uh, a couple, uh, three weeks ago maybe, that, that Jesus, after his resurrection, met up with some guys that were walking along the path, and they didn't know who he was. They were all downtrodden, dejected. It was the, the men on the, the road to Emmaus, but Jesus had been raised from the dead, and word hadn't got to them. They were still in a state of mourning, and it says in Luke twenty four twenty seven that Jesus took them through the writings of Moses as he came up alongside them on this path. And all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. For big picture guys, this is pretty exciting. For a big picture guy, I'm like, roll it out. Can I be there? Can you, can you give me a version of that Jesus like you gave to those guys on the road to Emmaus? 
I, I want to know the big story. But I tell you what, we can fill in the big story of God and the timeline by us digging into God's Word and understanding it. And so when we take the Old Testament and the New Testament and we say that there is a change from one to the other after the course of the 400 years of silence, then that's all true and it's all good and it's exciting, not just for back then of 2,000 years ago when Jesus did this very thing of speaking to the, the men on the road to amaze. He speaks it to us now and he says, let me tell you about the story. So next week, and then the final week, we pick up what's moving forward, but everything points back to this moment of Jesus' entrance into the world, this moment of Jesus changing everything, the moment of Jesus being able to change your life. You know, we start back here at the beginning of this timeline. I don't know how he would have unpacked it to his disciples or uh, to the, the men on the road to Emmaus, but I, I, I just picture him maybe taking the Torah and, and beginning with, hey, it says, in the beginning, God, what? Created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's a great place to start the story, at the beginning, right? And so, he begins talking with them, but then he begins to insert some other thoughts because here he is, God come in the flesh, but then he's referring back to the beginning of time, but he was in the beginning of time that we looked at. And so he began to teach them nuances of this creation story. And the nuances of the creation story were picked up by his disciples and they began putting this together. Whoa, it's just not this, this time frame when time began here and, and where we're at here on the timeline. Like you have been, God has been eternal. And somewhere during those teachings with his disciples, the apostle John picked up what he wrote about at the beginning of his gospel. Do you remember at the beginning of his gospel what it says? It's, it's just like the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But what did John say? John said, well, actually there's more to the story than that. <laughs> In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He? Word? We, we think in words of printed letters. Not as truth, but that's what it meant in the Hebrew Jewish mind. The word is truth, the, the essence, the embodiment. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. How did John write that? Because he was sitting around in these circles with Jesus, and Jesus was saying, let me tell you about the timeline. In the beginning, this is what happened, and I have always been... Did he really say that? Yeah. He said, before Abraham was, I am. It's one of the reasons they put him on the cross. You're like, what? How blasphemous. How could you be before Abraham? You're claiming to be God. They crucified him not because he tried to be a king. They crucified him because he claimed to be God. But he's teaching his disciples this, and his disciples start to put together the whole picture frame, and they go, wow, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is, is a direct reference to Jesus, because you can go just a few verses later, and it says in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen, John's like, we've seen him. We've seen God. We walked with him. We talked with him. We saw him die. We saw him being raised from the grave. So John's writing this, this uh, um, gospel later, and he's saying, man, you need to know this, the big storyline. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was God. And God existed as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have beheld His glory. Wow! He's full of grace and truth. Don't you think with the events of our world right now, they need to behold the glory of the Son of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus taught that timeline. John records it. John records it in his gospel. And then he records two things that I want to highlight for us. And then we're done this morning. The first is this. 
And Trey read the passage this morning as he began his ministry. It says this in John 1.29. The next day when he began his ministry, Jesus was, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him, this is John the Baptist, and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' kingdom came, and at the forefront we find mentioned in this first chapter of John, why he came. He came to take away the sin of the world because he was the Lamb of God. Do you know what he was doing with that? He was pulling himself back into the timeline. Back into the timeline in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 53, you can read the whole passage. It talks about him. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is way, way before Jesus ever came into the world. And it was speaking of him through the prophet. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root on a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Verse 4 of 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We, all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And so when John... 129 and records John the Baptist declaring when he sees Jesus for the first time, he just simply says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You need to understand this that Jesus, as the Lamb who was slain, it's not only predictive of his work as it relates to providing payment, if you will, shedding his life for the forgiveness of our sins. He takes away our sin. In Leviticus, you can read how the high priest, they would bring a goat and then they would sort of pray all the, the, the sins of the people over that goat. I'm glad I don't have to do that this morning. All the sins of all of us let alone all the nation of the people, they, they would place the sins on the goat, and then the goat they would send out into the wilderness, scapegoat, that's where the word came from. And it was symbolic of the sins being taken away, never to return. And so Jesus, it was foreshadowed in the early days with Abraham when he offered when Abraham offered Isaac to be sacrificed, why would God do that? But then God said, no, not with Isaac. There's a ram in the thicket. And we say, how could you do that? Ask of a person. We don't have the answer until the New Testament. Jesus would become the lamb who would be sacrificed and slain for the forgiveness of sins. We see it with Moses, right? Moses and then placing the blood over the doorpost so that the firstborn and that last and final plague would not be true of the Jewish people, that their firstborn child would not be killed. And so the blood was placed over the doorpost. It's where the 
terminology for Passover comes, and the angel of death passed over that home, and that, that firstborn did not die. Jesus, the lamb who was slain, his blood was placed over the doorpost of our life if we allow it to be, so that we do not have to experience death. You see, with Jesus, there's so many, and we could dig deeply into them, symbolic things and actual foretelling of things, whether it was with the semblance of the sacrifice or the sin bearer and the removing of sin. Jesus Christ came to take away the sin that's singular because it's talking about all sin of not just your life and mine, but the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is good news for those who want to get rid of their sin, guilt, and shame. I'm going to stop there this morning because someone here needs to be rid of sin, guilt, and shame. And I want you to know on our timeline, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If that's your need this morning, you just need to pray to the Lord to repent of your sin, to believe in Him, and allow this Jesus who lives forever through the power of the resurrection and is coming again, this Jesus to be your forgiver and your leader, your Savior, and your Lord. And maybe you've strayed from God and you need to come back to the Lamb who was slain. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, here this morning we bow our heads acknowledging that you were the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world so that our sins could be forgiven, that our sins could be taken away. And with that, the guilt and the shame. Father, for anyone here today that's weighed down by the burden of sin, may they acknowledge you as their forgiver and their leader, their Savior and their Lord. If you're in that place this morning and you never had that opportunity to pray that prayer and let the Jesus from the beginning of time come into your time, then pray this simple prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I thank you for coming into this world for living, for dying, and being raised from the grave so that I could have the forgiveness of my sin. I now repent of my sin. I turn from my indifference, my double-mindedness, and my active rebellion, and I turn to you. And I open up my life. Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin and from this day forward as you enable me I will seek to live for you Amen There's nothing more precious in all the world And when a repentant sinner turns to Jesus to follow him. If that was your prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to just um, take the connect card. It's on the back of your seat and mark that I committed my life to Jesus. We'd love to follow up with you. We're going to allow our time just to end. And maybe you need to pray. Maybe you just need to reflect. Maybe you need to chat with one another. Maybe you need to share with one another your decision for the Lord today. We as a church um, 
are on a journey ourselves. And at the center of this journey is to help you with whatever prayer requests you might have, things in your life, and a journey for you to be able to know Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm going to ask the ushers if they actually would take their places, receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. Um, But as they're coming, I want to encourage us, and we've seen it grow sort of on Wednesday nights, to come out on Wednesday nights, even this late in the game, if you will, as we um, spend time going through the timeline, a deeper dive of Scripture. And we have a meal every week. I'm not sure what the meal's going to be this week. If you've got an idea and you want to help give us thoughts and present it, then you come talk to me. But we're gathering at 545 for a meal. And at 630, we're breaking into discussion groups. And I want to encourage you to come back and be a part of those groups for deep dive as we finish out this timeline. And uh, we're all going through a book. And we'd be glad to give you that book if you want to come. But I want to encourage us that we would um, take opportunity to seek the Lord while he may be found and grow in him. And so thank you for this morning. I'm going to give you a benediction, and you're dismissed. But I want you to go out into the world and let others know through word and deed that there's a Savior for our world and that any fear that comes from the events of the world or from our own personal life can be abated because Jesus Christ rose from the grave and he has defeated the enemy. Will you stand with me? Place your palms up to receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give a fresh covering of the blood of Jesus Christ upon each and every life and family in this room to be protected by the antics of the evil one. Holy Spirit, may you pour out your spirit upon each and every person in this moment as they go. May they receive from you, Jesus, to be used by you to bring you glory this week. Amen. You're dismissed.